When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome aboard the National Football Show with your boy Dan Cilio. You know, I was really in a great mood before I started, you know, getting ready for the program. And then as we were prepping to come on the air today, I was informed by my boy Krause. Hey, Sills, you know, yeah, pandemic's not been, you know, kind of kind to you. Maybe you're hammering the coronas a little too much. And I'm like, hang on here. It's a camera angle. See, the camera angle makes me look fat. It's, it's not me drinking Coronas, which is my favorite drink nowadays. But, I mean, it's it's more so that the pand- – what would you want Big Sills to do? This is a bar. Look, see? This is where the beer goes. There's my big refrigerator. I've got my stuff behind the bar. I've got my crackers in here. And now I'm doing radio, and I'm doing my – show here live for the national football show here on Jacob media. What did you think big Sills was going to do behind a bar? Sit around and drink ice water. Come on, man. Get with the program. It's football season. Hamburgers, hot dogs. Let's go, man. Chips, everything. Direct TV. My boy, Cal's fantasy football leagues. How you doing? Hey, Cal, I got a chair right down here for you and hammer and Hank. <laughs> you and Hammer and Hank every Friday. Bob, what do you think, man? Devontae Smith, should I sit his ass or should I go after and get Stefan Diggs? What do you think? React. Boom. There it is. Hammer and Hank and my boy Cow. Fantasy football, baby. Every Friday, right here on the National Football Show. Got a chair just for my boys. All good. All right. Man, oh, man. Then again, it's a tough room. It's a tough room because it's a football room. You know, it reminds me so much, though. Real, all kidding aside, it reminds me, like, in the locker room, kind of throwing jabs at one another. Every player will tell you that's the one thing that they end up missing the most about the game is just being around the fellas. And so seeing all the guys now in training camp, and this is going to be the first week where all these teams get an opportunity to tee it up and play some football, you're not going to really see the starters. And I'll tell you flat out, the exhibition season, games one and four, they suck, okay? If you're a veteran guy, you don't want to be in any of those games. You barely want to be involved in any of the uh, line scrimmages that go on maybe even before the game because you know what a lot of teams are doing now? They're having these controlled scrimmages. NFL Network's airing these, and then they'll end up playing a game. We used to do that with the Chargers when I was with the Cowboys. We would have a scrimmage all week long versus the Raiders or the Chargers. And then we would play a game that particular weekend. You know, we had seen those guys all week, and I'm like, man, uh, you know, you're kind of taking the element of surprise away. But, you know, you're getting a chance to see pretty much the 90 guys that you got on your roster. The big experience teams, those are teams that pretty much know roughly around 75% of the roster already going into the exhibition season. You know, the teams that are going through a new quarterback, new head coach, Those odds are a little bit up higher, right? You're talking about maybe 60-40 
or they understand or maybe think they know who are going to be the players that are going to go forward for the 2021 season. So there's different dynamics, obviously, in every single training camp. So let's get into some of the news of the day here. You know, the big contract that Josh Allen signed the other day, that $260 million deal, you know, you have quarterbacks all over the league now that are going to be saying this, who's next up? And most notably, it's probably going to be Baker Mayfield, right? You know, Lamar Jackson's conversations with uh, Steve Biscotti and the Ravens, I think that's going to be a whole different ball game on how those guys are going to cut a deal. I don't think it's going to have anything to do with market value. I think it's going to have everything to do with organization. Do you want to be here? How long do you want to be here? And I think it's going to be all about comfort zone. I will make this point to you. Sometimes the grass isn't greener on the other side. And what ends up happening, players end up taking the money. And what usually happens? I mean, 80% of the time, we see those free agents go somewhere else and they end up bombing. Why? Because they didn't fit into the organization. They really didn't understand what exactly the coach is asking them to do. You always see that. Traditionally, when you get a free agent in your building, you never really see a guy just all of a sudden become a superstar in the first year. John Lynch told me this a long time ago. A free agent, once he's in there in the second year, he understands what's being asked to him. He understands a little bit more of the defense or the offense on what's being asked him. So usually in your second year, that's when you really get the player that you were looking at in free agency. So at the end of the day here, make no mistake about it, that's what you're looking at when you're trying to build a football team. Okay. So Baker Mayfield, his contract obviously is a topic in Cleveland right now. I would say this to you. Baker Mayfield has Cleveland by the onions, in my opinion. I think he has all the leverage. You know, some would say, you know, do you give him the contract now or do you wait until the end of the season and let him see him play a little bit more here? There's no question as this continues to go on, you have to remember something. The quarterback situation in Cleveland has been an absolute train wreck. It's been a train wreck, right? Mayfield has actually been a quarterback that has brought stability to the position. As much as I think he's immature, as much as I think he turns the ball over. I mean, since he's been in the league, I think he's got more interceptions than anybody at the quarterback position. Is that a red flag for me? Absolutely. You know, we're talking about contract extensions and gigantic money here. Is he going to get the money that, say, uh, we just saw Josh Allen get? I don't think so. I don't think it's going to go in progression like that. It's funny. You know, when, when you look at the highest paid quarterbacks in the game today, do you know who they are? They're Josh Allen from Wyoming, and they are Patrick Mahomes from Texas Tech. We're not talking about perennial powerhouse football teams here. We're talking about two guys that were at programs that traditionally, get this, may not have had the best coaching. I'm going to get into that here in a minute. You know, you, you don't get great and no shade on Texas Tech. You know, Wyoming, how many people even know what their nickname is? It's the Cowboys. I had to look it up. So some of these prospects, I mean, look, make no mistake about it. Look at what, look at what Baker Mayfield had when he was being coached. He was being coached by Lincoln Riley. Trevor Lawrence is being coached by Dabo Sweeney. You've got great coaches around these particular players 
That's why you got the most of them when they were in college. Did you even know where Patrick Mahomes came from? I mean, how many? I don't even know if he had a winning record as a starting quarterback when he was at Texas Tech. That has a lot to do with his progression. That has a lot to do with his potential. Same with Josh Allen. So at the end of the day, Baker Mayfield actually has the Cleveland Browns by the onions. Of course they're going to contract extend him. They have to. The price tag is going to be the question mark because I don't believe he could go anywhere else on the planet and get $230 million. I don't think he's getting $100 million in guarantees. Does that guy look like he belongs in that conversation with Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes? Do you truly put him in that conversation? He's got the best O-line, the best running back duo. His wide receivers are Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, he's got the perfect world. He's got a great play caller, I think, and Kevin Stefanski. He's got a perfect world set up around him. Man, you could plug pretty much anybody in there, and you could get success. The Browns are set up not to throw the ball. They can, though. The Browns are set up to run the ball. Play action pass, third and short. And now with the addition of Jadavian Clowney on the other side of Miles Garrett, you got a defense that could get after the quarterback, especially in the AFC, where they throw the ball more. Cleveland's got it going on, but the big question mark is, how do we handle Baker Mayfield? I believe the Browns want to extend him. I do. But I don't believe they're going to put him in the conversation of $260 million. That's going to start to be the talks. And then you're going to hear, and if he takes a team to a Super Bowl, then it's going to, the price tag raises. So as you get into the 2021 season, Browns get out to a great start. They got a very tough schedule too, by the way. Okay, they may actually be a better football team this year than they were a year ago, but the record may not indicate that because the record gets harder, obviously, if you have a good year from the previous year. Schedules get harder. If you have a sorry season, schedules get weaker. That's why you pick high in the draft. The league is notorious for setting the game like that so that every team has an opportunity at getting better. The league is so smart on how they manage the worst teams in the league. Unlike basketball and baseball, okay, the NHL took a page out of the NFL. Look at the Vegas uh, Golden Knights. Look at this new Seattle team. These guys get open-ended free agency and getting a chance to get whoever they want without a salary cap to build their fan base. It's brilliant. Instead of sitting around and having Seattle and the Buccaneers uh, be sorry for 25 years like they were, um, they're giving these franchises a chance to succeed. That's exactly what I see. How can you build a, fan, a, a franchise and a fan base when your football team sucks for like 10 years? You can't. It's impossible. NHL figured it out. So the Browns are going to – it's going to just be when. They get out to a good start, and all of a sudden you see them playing well. Do you extend them right away? Do you wait to the end of the year? Do you gamble? What if the Browns are in the AFC Championship game? He, he would have pulled off what Dak Prescott pulled off. That was, again, you know, you waited too late. Now, I personally do not believe he's that guy. He may prove me wrong. He may prove me wrong. All right. Let's go over to let's go over to Josh Allen. We mentioned him a couple minutes ago. The Buffalo Bills starting quarterback just got this $260 million deal. And rightfully so. When I look at him, there's a wow factor. But I want to give you a little history lesson on Josh Allen. 
So Josh Allen's at Wyoming, okay? He's at Wyoming. Sophomore year, he was decent. Junior year, he was pretty decent. It kind of opened up everyone's eyes. And remember, Wyoming plays in the Mountain West. How many people on the East Coast or really anywhere around the country watch Mountain West football? I mean, you'd have to be a real nerd like me to watch Mountain West football. Some good football in the game there. Hey, uh, Jordan Love came out of that conference, Utah State. Okay, so, okay, there are some good football players that are in that conference. But it's not something that you have on your channel changer where, hey, you know what, SEC football, Big Ten football, you know, I'm going to watch Mountain West. I'm going to watch that kid from Wyoming against San Diego State. He played for a coach that has an underwater record, which means he has an under 500 record. Josh Allen wasn't getting very good coaching in college. You know, I wonder if he even got good coaching when he was in high school. I know that he played at a very small high school, and there wasn't a lot of recruiting letters that were being sent to him. So what did he do? He had to take the Wyoming scholarship. Do you know, and here's my point, that this is probably the best coaching and the best talent that Josh Allen has had around him in his entire football career. This is what you do when you're evaluating a talent. And the Bills did it right. They were scouting this guy. And you know what they must have been saying in the personnel department? They must have been saying this, with better coaching, this kid's going to be a hell of a football player. He just doesn't have very good coaching around him right now. How many times have we seen that? Here, I'll give you a for instance. No disrespect to Cliff Kingsbury. I don't know if he's a good coach in Arizona yet. Looks like Kyler Murray, who improved uh, the offense when he was drafted. Maybe he is, but would we not agree? Cliff Kingsbury is probably the fourth best coach, coach in the NFC West, right? And he was at Texas Tech. Patrick Mahomes is there. Patrick Mahomes, did he get great coaching? I never heard of him. I heard more of his father at the time. Played on that 86 Mets team. I, I didn't know anything about Patrick Mahomes coming out of college. Then you started watching him at the Combines. You're like, wow, this kid looks like he's got some talent. And you know what happens at the Combines? Well, you've got John Gruden there. Or you, you, you've got Kyle Shanahan there. Or you've got Belichick there. You know, these coaches are all running drills. NFL certified coaches are running these drills. And this is probably the first time Patrick Mahomes gets a chance to be around big-time coaching. Now he's around Andy Reid. I mean, Andy Reid, look at what he did for Michael Vick. Michael Vick was not the quarterback, okay, that he was in Philly and Atlanta. If that Michael Vick who played in Philly was a younger Michael Vick in Atlanta, Michael Vick would have been unstoppable. He was almost unstoppable in Philly when he was hitting on all cylinders. The speed and, and, and the ability to read the defenses, he clearly got to be a better quarterback under Andy Reid. Michael, Michael Vick was reading progressions, actually. And to some extent, I would even say this. Michael Vick is lucky that he ran into Andy Reid because you know why? It probably kept him in the league a little longer instead of just relying on his ability to run the ball. The point is, is that when you get to the NFL, this may be the best coaching that you ever get. Most of these kids who come from these smaller schools, think about it. 
I think Jordan Jordan Love is now being coached by Matt LaFleur, who's 26 and 6 and has been dealing with Aaron Rodgers the last two years. He's being coached by that. There's probably things he's never seen before, heard before, techniques he's never practiced before. And then on top of that, you've got Aaron Rodgers in front of you. I don't know about you, but you got one of the goats of the sport and you got a coach who understands offense. Probably the best that Jordan Love has ever had in front of him when it comes to coaching. That's why when some of these kids come out of college and they roll into some of these places and you sit there and you go like this, well, okay, I mean, how come he's not getting better? Well, when you go into New York and Adam Gase is in there and he can't propel the quarterback into being what the quarterback's ability says he can be or what your evaluator said he could be, that's on the head coach. Coaching in the NFL is so much better today than it's ever been because it's more specialized. You see a throwing coach. You have a quarterback coach. You have a quality control coach now, let alone the fact you got an offensive coordinator, and all of this meets together as a team. How's his footwork doing? Great. You talk to your quarterback coach. Then you talk to the quality control. What plays has he really been successful at in training camp? Well, he really likes that down and in. He likes to throw on the seam, and he likes to throw into the short side of the field. Then you'll start taking those plays, and you'll start running the plays that he does the best out of the playbook. You don't, you don't use the entire playbook. You know the entire playbook, but you're not going to use the entire playbook in any particular game. You're going to go strong strengths versus weakness of the team that you're playing. And you're praying that your strengths match up to more of the weaknesses of the defense that you're playing against. Or get this, it'll be a tough game, and it'll be strength against strength. Many times we see those close football games. Every game every week is a different story. That's why when you get better coaching, Josh Allen's got better coaching now. He's just got better coaching. So, I mean, there's no coincidence that he's getting better. All right. Let me throw this at you here, too. I heard something about the new quarterback in in New York with the Jets. And I'll say this to you. He's struggling. Three interceptions the other day. Had a quality uh, practice. Uh, quality, well, more so when I say that, it was a controlled practice. And the kid's struggling. I mean, and this is what you're hearing. And this is what you're hearing about comparisons. There's a little bit of Johnny Manziel in the kid. I don't, and I don't think people are saying that about off the field, about immaturity. I think it's about maturity in the pocket. Let me give it to you here. When you watch a superstar quarterback and you watch him operate in the pocket, let me give you some for instance here. When a quarterback like Peyton Manning or Tom Brady where Aaron Rodgers are in the pocket, first and foremost, the courage factor has to be on an all-time high because you're going to get hit. And you've got to be expecting to get hit. The question is, how do you get that football out? Progression one, two, three, four, or five, if you're, quality, if you're a quality enough quarterback to understand all that. When you're a young guy, that's not available to you. One through three is where you're going to go. But what's the fourth option usually? Taking off running. The last option 
that you should have as a quarterback in the National Football League is to run. Moving, moving laterally and trying to create passing lanes like Ben Roethlisberger does, that's a great thing. Okay? Russell Wilson does that exceptionally well. Peyton Manning used to do that well. Being in the pocket, moving his feet around. That's why you always saw him tapping his feet because when Peyton Manning's feet stopped, Peyton Manning was in trouble. Most quarterbacks are in trouble when their feet stop. You know, Bill Walsh told me this a long time ago. Quarterbacking the position is not with your arm. It's with your feet and your head. That's why Manny didn't have the strongest arm. Brady didn't have the strongest arm. But it was their feet and their head. They were able to process the intel immediately. Why, why is that? Well, when your ability is to get back and to get back into the pocket and take that intel and learn that intel and then process that intel, that tells me a lot about a quarterback. And Sean McDermott is doing a phenomenal job with Josh Allen. He really is. And Zach Wilson is struggling in Miami, or excuse me, in New York because he doesn't know exactly what's being asked of him. Okay? He doesn't know exactly what's being asked of him. From what I'm being told, it looks like it's a little overwhelming for the kid. It's okay. Just a little bit of for me. When I got into the NFL, they gave me my playbook. I got out there for my first practice. I didn't know what the hell they were talking to me about. It was so confusing. You seem slow. You seem slow on everything you do. Putting your hands on the guy. Getting up the field. You, you feel like you're being blocked every play. It's because you don't know where you're going yet. And you're not sure of where to go. That's the worst. If you're not sure where to go, and you don't have conviction getting into that gap, you're going to be blocked every play. That guy's going to scoop you, get up on the linebackers. Before you know it, you got two minuses and one. So when I hear that, I would say this if I was Jet fans. Just calm down a little bit. Game will catch up with him because if he's got good coaching, they'll slow the game down for him. All right. Yesterday we talked to uh, Brad Johnson, the former quarterback at Florida State, and we're going to do a little bit more honoring here with Charlie Ward, the Heisman Trophy and national champion that played for Coach Bobby Bowden. You know, I've been on the internet at Dan Cilio's show there's been a lot of responses to some of the things that I've said, and there's no doubt that without Coach Bowden, Miami FSU doesn't exist. There's been so many great tributes to Coach Bowden, second all-time winning as coach. I don't really think it's anything to do with that. I think it was really the man he was and what he left um, on that Florida State program, the players that he left behind, the family he left behind. Doak Campbell, there is no question. Dope Campbell, that atmosphere is because of what Bobby Bowden brought to that football program. We're going to talk to the legendary Charlie Ward and get his thoughts on Coach Bowden. We'll do that next. You keep it here on the National Football Show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say... But as I always say... It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. 
Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Welcome back. National Football Show, Dan Silio, Charlie Ward, Heisman Trophy winner, national champion. Also, 12-year New York Nick. I know, right? We'll join us, and we'll talk a little bit about the legendary Bobby Bowden and his legacy on college football. Just a amazing legacy, especially in the state of Florida, especially in the southern part of the country. It's amazing what he left behind. You know, I am getting my vote for the preseason top 25 tomorrow, and I'm going to be putting teams together for – you know, who I think is going to have a shot at playing for a national championship. I, I, I really, you know, I don't think there's any surprises. Got Georgia five, got Oklahoma four. You know, um, I've got Clemson in there. I've got Ohio State and I've got Alabama. Same cast of characters. Nothing will change. Will anybody from the Pac-12 surprise? I don't know, maybe Oregon. Maybe they will. I doubt USC. They'll always have great talent, but I don't know they have the coaching with Clay Hilton. And for the record, I really like Clay Hilton. You know, I'm friends with Clay. I knew his father, Kim, very well. Was an old Houston Oilers assistant coach. 
And Clay's a damn good guy, and he's a pretty good recruiter. It just hasn't been enough. When you're 9-3 and three at USC, that's a losing year. That's rebuilding. Southern Cal has done the most impossible thing that they could possibly have done to hurt the program. You know what that is? They're constantly looking for the next quarterback. Can you name me one quarterback that has ever played at USC that went on to be a superstar player in the National Football League? If you say Carson Palmer and that is your barometer, okay. It wasn't Matt Leinart. I mean, right? Give me a guy where it wasn't Mark Sanchez. I mean, they have not had a quarterback in that program's history. What made USC great? Their offensive linemen and those fabulous Heisman Trophy running backs. They got away from doing the number one thing that made SC great. Their superstars were not their quarterbacks or wideouts. It was their running backs and their offensive linemen and their defensive guys like Ronnie Lott and Palomalu and guys like that. They got away from what made Southern Cal great. Those great old linemen are now playing in the Southeastern Conference. Or they're playing somewhere else in the Pac-12. Or they're playing in the Big Ten. SC lost their identity because what they tried to do then, they became a finesse team. You know what finesse is to me? Finesse means soft. Southern Cal used to run downhill at you with all those great running backs. And that's how they built that program under John McKay and then John Robinson. Won all those national championships. And Pete Carroll did the same thing. Pete Carroll had great running backs. Reggie Bush was probably his biggest star on that team. I mean, that's what that program was known for. The great old linemen and the fabulous running games. Lendell White, one year, I think, had 28 touchdowns. And he was in the same backfield with Reggie. They ran and they did a great job playing defense. Southern Cal doesn't do that anymore. That's why when you look at SC and you say, man, maybe SC, SC's common now because they kind of got away from who they were and what they are, and that is a dominant football team at the point of attack. All right. You know, I, I yesterday I had a great time talking with Brad Johnson. Brad won a Heisman – or excuse me, won a um, Super Bowl championship with Florida State and played for Coach Bowden um, on Sunday – Bobby Bowden passed away at the age of 91, and there's been a lot of tributes that have been going on the internet. And if you read all the storylines, there's so many great stories about Coach Bowden. And you know what I love the most about the stories about Coach? They're all personal stories. And his impact on what he had on the FSU program, the players that played there, the Warwick Dunn's, the Derek Brooks of the world, the Charlie Ward's of the world. These guys are all Pied Pipers for the way that that coach set that program up. You know, I was reading in the Sun Sentinel a story about Coach. He did an interview with David Hyde, who's a longtime colonist down in uh, South Florida. And, you know, he asked him, he goes, Coach, how do you want to be remembered? Coach goes like this, I don't want to be remembered as the greatest coach of all time. I just want to be remembered as one of them. We didn't win all of our football games, but in our program, winning wasn't everything. You know, family, God, and FSU, and pretty much in that order. You know, I was having a conversation with Derek Brooks about that. You know, I, I came from a program that winning was everything. 
And I looked at the program and I looked at how Coach Bowden ran his program. Coach Bowden was able to put balance, okay? Able to put balance in his life. And it was a reflection of his program. You know, people always say this about coaches. A team is always a reflection of the coach. And it's true, it is. It's so true because the personality of that particular coach, it takes on that persona of that coach. You know, I've said this before. There's no coincidence that Jimmy Johnson had the persona of that, you know, hey, we're going to go out there and knock the hell out of you mentality when we were at Miami and when he was with the Dallas Cowboys. There's no doubt that Steve Spurrier had that same mentality when he was at Florida. Steve had that, you know, we're going to grind it out. We're going to run the score up. We're going to beat people down as much as we possibly can. Then you had Coach Bowden, the way he uh, participated, the way that, you know, he built his program. It was different. You know, I, I will tell you this, and I've said this before to a lot of people. There is no doubt the respect level that I had for Coach and, and his wife and that program and the players that played in that program um, is just second to none. It really is. It's just second to none. All right. We're efforting our friend, Charlie Ward. Hopefully we're able to catch up with him and get his take and his spin on the legendary coach, Bobby Bowden. I do want to bring this story up here. It's about the Chargers. And I think this is a fantastic story for the Chargers. The Chargers are now seeing a spike in season ticket sales. They've been there, I think, going on now. I believe this is four years since they left San Diego. And it was a bumpy ride for the Spanos family. It was a bumpy ride. And believe me, then the pandemic hit. You know, they were a football team kind of with no fan base. They were playing in a soccer stadium up in Carson, California for a while. They were building nothing. They were getting nothing for fan reaction. You couldn't find a Charger hat in Los Angeles over the last couple of years. But what's happened over the last couple of years? I say this, Justin Herbert's happened. I think Justin Herbert has given that team an injection that it hasn't had in a long time. You've got hope at the quarterback position. And now you're starting to see a spike. So I'm going to say this to you guys, and this may come off a little bit wrong when it comes to some of my San Diego friends. But at the end of the day, guess what? It may have been in the cards, and it may have been the right thing that the Chargers left San Diego and went to Los Angeles. The value of the team has doubled. You have outpaced any time in the last 20 years season ticket sales. You're playing at a beautiful place in L.A. and SoFi. You're now going to have gambling. Pretty much all the issues of the football team have been eradicated. Now you've got an opportunity to build a fan base in Los Angeles, the second biggest market in the country. How is, how is that a failure? So if you're the Spanos family and you're the NFL, remember when they were getting criticized for taking the Chargers out of San Diego? 
I mean, it's an old AFL team. That's a city that really was part of the league that built the AFL and then helped transition into being the league that it is today. Same with Oakland. The NFL said those cities cannot build a stadium for these teams. The Raiders had to move because I said this before to you. You're never, ever in a million years ever going to see a publicly built stadium in the state of California ever again. You're just not. It's not going to happen. So this is why you've got the Raiders in Vegas, and now you have the Chargers in Los Angeles because Stan Kroenke wrote that check. All right, we're going to take a brief time out here. Then we're going to go to our friend, hopefully, Charlie Ward. You keep it here on the National Football Show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life. Count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com.
Welcome back to the National Football Show, Dan When I heard the passing of Bobby Bowden on Sunday, the age of 91, all kinds of things ran through my mind and our great rivalries that we had, our friendship after I got done with my playing days at the University of Miami. All my friends that are Florida State Seminole guys like Derek Brooks and my God, Deion Sanders, all those guys that played there, Gerald Nichols, so many players, so many great quality men, work done, all these guys, man. Coach was really about faith, family, and FSU football. And the guy that personifies that is clearly one of the legendary players in the history of that program that played for Coach Bowden and delivered Coach Bowden's very first national championship with his mates. He is the legendary Heisman Trophy winner, Charlie Ward, and he joins us now here on the National Football Show. And I'll tell you, Charlie, I thought of you and Derek Brooks and Warwick Dunn and all the players that I played against. And, uh, boy, I got to tell you, Canes Nation, you know, we all sent condolences to you guys, man, our, our, you know, our heartfelt, you know, wishes towards Ann that she gets over this or tries to deal with this, I should possibly say. But just your reflection a little bit, if you can, about Coach Bowden. Uh, I appreciate you having me on. And, um, you know, Coach meant a lot to a lot of us. Um, you know, it was always great to be able to see him uh, as we all mature. Um, but at this point, you know, he's transitioned to uh, his next life, which is heaven. And I'm grateful to know that he's there. And uh, we're left with some great memories. Uh, he, you know, left us with a lot of great memories to think back on. And, um, you know, most, the majority of them are positive. That's kind of what his goal was. His goal was always to see uh, his players and the people that he had, you know, he, he came in contact with uh, do well um, and be better because they were around him. And um, I, I could say, you know, that that's the case. Charlie, I'm going to tell you a story that I told Brad Johnson yesterday. It was one of the most telling things, and I learned about you guys um, from Coach Bowden three hours before the FSU-Miami game. I was like, and I'm, a, I'm from the New England area, Charlie, and I, I had only heard of the rivalry. It wasn't really what you guys ended up making that rivalry. It was just kind of starting the Miami-FSU rivalry. It was before the 86 game, and as I said, I told Brad this story. I'll never forget, I get a tap on the shoulder from Jerome Brown and Michael Irvin, Alonzo Highsmith. And they said, come on, we're going. And I was like, okay. We go to a different section of the Orange Bowl, and I'd never been in this section. I was like, this must be where the Dolphins' old offices are. I walk into this room, and there's Coach Bowden and Coach Rick. As you know, Coach Rick was a Miami Hurricane. And we're in this room, and I looked at Jerome. I go, what are we doing here? Three hours for an FSU Miami game? He goes, listen, a friend of ours, Pablo Lopez, was shot and killed. Coach Bowden and Coach Rick asked us, and Dion was in there, asked us if we would pray with them. And I sat there and I went, okay. I started praying and I realized right then and there, Charlie, to Coach Bowden wasn't just about football. It was about his personal relationships with his guys. And I'll never forget that moment in my life, just being around that. I mean, it just tells you a little bit more about what that rivalry was. Uh, well, that definitely sounds like coach. And, um, you know, he was more uh, concerned about people's salvation than actually winning football games. 
uh, in the football games, winning football games, just a byproduct of his faith uh, in what he instilled in the uh, process. Um, and so, you know, a lot of times we get so wrapped up into wins and losses um, that we miss out on these great opportunities to be able to have impact that uh, lasts a long time. But Coach wasn't like that. I mean, he his winning uh, and losing was not going to uh, be the overriding factor. And that's something I've taken away from him. Um, you know, I, I, I football, when I was coaching football for like nine years in high school, I had one winning season. But the goal was to make sure that while we were going through that process, you know, young men understood the value of adversity, how to fight through adversity, um, you know, accountability, um, you know, enjoying every moment, regardless if it's a win or loss and character, you know, building the right character to be to go through tough times and tough situations. And, you know, we all would have loved to win more football games. Uh, but, you know, when it's all said and done, you want to make sure that you have an, you make an impact on the young people that's going to be long lasting. And that's something he taught us. Um, you know, he lived that way. And I think that played a big part in how he could get his message across as well, because just like the story you just told, uh, that's the way he lived. I mean, he, his heart was set on helping people uh, see that there was something bigger than um, the actual game. Well, I got to say, Charlie, I, 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 forgive me if I'm wrong on this stat. I only think you lost one game in your career. You may not have lost any as a starting quarterback at FSU. So you pretty much won just about every time you stepped on the field. Was there, did, was he one of those coaches, Charlie, that coached everybody completely differently, but yet he coached them all in the, coached you guys all in one unit because, you know, I could say this about Jimmy Johnson for me. Jimmy coached us all differently. You know, this guy needed this. This guy maybe needed this. Maybe this guy needed to be stroked more. Maybe this guy needed to have more attention. Was Coach like that? I'm sure he was. Um, he, he, he helped everyone that came to him. And also, you know, he reached out to those that were in need. Um, he also encouraged guys. Um, he he normally coached. Uh, he coached the coaches uh, to do what they're supposed to do, and that trickled down to us. Um, and he normally coached individuals because he observed a lot uh, on things that they could do better. Or he's also coached uh, groups. Uh, uh, defensive ends, quarterbacks, running backs. You know, he 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 was what I consider, you know, the ultimate coach. You know, he observed a whole lot, uh, and he allowed guys to uh, be themselves in some form of fashion under the under the you know under control. Uh, but you know, he was just that guy that, like you say, he gave what 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 was needed. You know, I, I would say this to you, and I posted this on Twitter, that if it wasn't for Coach Bowden, there's no way that Miami-Florida State rivalry would be what it is today and what it was during our playing times especially 
because you got to remember the two state schools in the state. And you know what? I always tell people this, Charlie. You know, when you and I played, pretty much when I played, it started affecting when you played. There was no UCF, no, you know, USF and FIU and FAU. Those guys were all on our teams. Our depth level on the big three back in the day, I mean, if you won the state of Florida State Championship, you were pretty much going to win the national championship if you were playing during our era. And, you know, Florida stopped playing us in 86 or 87. And Coach Bowden was asked, he goes, hey, man, are you going to keep continue playing Miami too? And he goes, you know what? I got to do it. I think it's great for our state. I think it's great for our programs. I recruit in South Florida. I want the kids to come down here too. And if, uh, in my opinion, if it wasn't for Coach Bowden, that rivalry would never be what it is today because he kept that series going, unlike Florida did. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know why people run away from competition. And uh, he understood. He, I mean, he 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 understood. He got it uh, that he needed those kids from South Florida, and uh, we had a few on our team, uh, and it continued to progress over the years. But I mean, when you have two quality football teams with the type of athletes that we had on the field each and every year, um, the games were normally pretty good. Outside of the '88, I think it was where you guys kind of torched us, 80, 31 to zero. But all the pretty much all the rest of the games were all competitive in some form or fashion. Um, and so I just think that's it's always great when you can play great competition, especially if it's in the same state. I'll tell you this, hey, Charlie, I, my first time going up to Doak, what you guys have done to that place. So I'm out there, and I don't know if I said this to you before, but I'm standing next to like kind of the center of the field. And I didn't know anything about the horse and the spear. I, I had no idea. I'm standing there. All of a sudden, the lights go down. And I went, holy cow. This is unbelievably awesome. The lights go up. Everybody puts their, like, their, I mean, the whole place is, dun, 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 dun. I mean, that guy comes up, Charlie, and throws that spear in front of me. I just looked over. I remember. I looked over at Danny Stubbs. And I went like this. Okay, that's intimidating. <laughs> That's a great environment, and it really was a reflection of what Coach built there was that it was just a really – maybe one of the greatest college football environments of all time was going to Doe Campbell. And I say that because when he took that program over, there wasn't this gigantic history at Florida State. Back in the day, it was a – I believe a woman's college. It was a nursing college, and that legacy that he's built, it's, it's really remarkable. He, he built FSU football. Uh, 100%. And, uh, you know, all the things, the traditions, all those things uh, came about due to his willingness to just build a program. Um, you know, he, he, he is what you say. He was the leader of it all when he took over. Um, there were some guys before him that kind of helped set the foundation. Uh, but he came and changed the game and was able to, you know, push it forward to where we are today. Uh, where it's a national program um, and, you know, it's just a matter of us working to try to get back uh, some stability. Uh, when you have a guy like him who was there for 38 years, I think it was, whatever it was, uh, you're going to have some slippage at some point. Um, and um, he had some later in his, in his coaching career. Uh, then Coach Fisher came in and, you know, worked it to where, 
They got back to be respectable, won another national championship. And then after him, you know, we've been going, you know, up and down. And now I feel like we have a co coach that everyone can rally around and we can, uh, you know, get back to, you know, playing the type of football and being the type of team that everyone knew us to be. Uh, but, you know, like I said, coach definitely built the culture to what it is today where it's recognizable. Okay. Finally here, is dad gummit a good thing or is it a bad thing? When coach was talking to you guy, I, cause I used to always hear him on, on the field going, dad gummit Dion. And I'm going, I'm wondering if that's good or bad, or is it maybe in the way that he pronounces it? I was just always wondering because I heard a lot of dad gummits out there from coach Bowden. Is, is that a good thing or was that a bad thing? I think we lost Charlie here a little bit there. All right. Yeah, man, I, that was that was pretty cool there, man. So, hey, getting hey, – hey, Charlie, real quick, was Dad Gummit a good thing or bad thing? Uh, well, it was, um, it was, I guess, in between. <laughs> it, it was uh, Dad Gummit, uh, you know, I guess it was in between something that was probably – um, not good, but it could have been good. I don't know. He, he used it quite often. Charlie, throw uh, out how people can get your podcast and how they can stay in touch with you. You're a great follower. You're a great inspiration. One of the benchmark guys on that football program. One of the great players in the history of that program. And on top of that, according to work done and from what we've just started, our relationship, really one of the best people to come out of that program. How can they get in touch with you, Charlie? Well, I'm at Charlie Ward official on um, most handlers and the real Charlie Ward, I think, on Twitter. Um, and you can go to charlieward.org for books or anything else uh, to get in touch with me. Thank you so much, Charlie. I appreciate it. Thank you, my friend. Uh, thanks, Dan, for having me. You got it. That is Charlie Ward, the Heisman Trophy winner, national champion from the Florida State Seminoles talking a little bit about Coach Bobby Bowden. We'll take a brief time out. You keep it here on the National Football Show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, 
your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.